This is The Real Good Podcast. My name is John Roebuck and with me is Blake, no nickname, Curtis. Yep, I and was wondering what you would come up with with this film and I thought Derek. you might come a bit dry. <laughs> Derek, no nickname, Armstrong. <laughs> I've got a nickname. What's your nickname? I don't know. Zane? Uh, Derek Zane Armstrong. Yeah. Is it really? No, Zane's one of the names of one of the characters in the film. Uh, you could have been Rahil, you could have been Blake Rahil Curtis. Yeah. Well, you've got, yeah, I'm impressed you remember the names. I've written them down. Ah, uh, true. Uh, yes. The power of the pen. <laughs> or the... Keyboard. Keyboard. Yeah. This episode is called Couldn't Think of a Funny Slash Clever Name Without Being Offensive. <laughs> and that's because we'll be talking about Nadine Labaki's Capernaum. Is that how you pronounce it? That sounds good. They, they pronounce uh, it Capernaum. In other in other countries where they just yeah. where the title is randomly a different word than There's it is no here. There's H in the American. Release. Yes. Yeah. No, and then it's an E instead of an A, yeah. so it's yeah. Capernaum. Capernaum. Just the American one. Like yeah. others. Uh, I don't know, but the, the the poster that they put up has the PH, and then the name is without the H and with the E. So I don't really understand. I tried to kind of find out what the difference was, and I never was able to. Well, so I'm, all, there I'm we always go. big as well that I always have to get spelling right yeah. in texts or whatever. And that actually really annoyed me because when, when yeah. I was messaging you about seeing it, I kept getting confused. And now this all makes sense. Yeah. Why? I was like, Did well, because on the Oscar nominations, of which it, uh, am yeah. I stepping on whatever you were going to say? <laughs> no, no, I don't think I was going to say anything. It was Did nominated. I I was f- you were. Do uh, usually you give a plot synopsis or something like that? <laughs> oh yeah, that <laughs> I found we'll on Google. Google. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> uh, no, but it was nominated for an Oscar, and uh, if you just looked at those stories, it would say Capernaum because. Yeah, they aren't spelling it the way we are here. Which the interpretation is chaos, chaos, chaos. Yeah. rain. Hey, here's a synopsis I found on the internet. There's my favorite bit. <laughs> After running away from his neg- I can't say it in a funny voice, can I? After running away from his negligent parents, committing a violent crime, and being sentenced to five years in a in jail, a hardened streetwise twelve-year-old Lebanese boy sues his parents in protest of the life they have given him. Indeed. Who wants to start with saying things? I'll say a thing. <laughs> I thought it was great. I, was really I know. I read. I've read. I you read my review, review, and I, I and just w- you've got this look in your eyes that lets me know you're going to say that you gave it about half the score that I did. But uh, I'm not going to. I'll wait for a moment before you say that, and I'll lavish some praise on it. Um, I will start by saying that the second half of your synopsis there, I thought was the weakest part of the film. Oh, well, well, not mine. A synopsis. N- not not your synopsis yeah. because I know you didn't write it. You you got it from the internet. But the the, one, the synopsis you just read, the second half refers to the fact that the boy sues his parents for the crime of giving birth to him, which is a high concept setup that this film simply just doesn't need. Yeah, it's um. I mean that and and I've never seen a film that I liked as much as I liked this, whose central conceit rang so false to me, and it mattered so little. Yeah. Like I really didn't think it mattered that 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 was what the the, the framing device was in the in the film that it was based on a bunch of flashbacks um, that are taking place kind of in the present, looking back to the story of how Zane, the twelve year old, got to where he is, which is in a courtroom suing his own parents for the crime of giving life to him, which is a pretty false. You know, conceit for a film, if you ask Especially me. Especially in a film that seems otherwise quite grounded. Right, and that's but but I found that it really didn't matter, and in in like during the film, I kind of forgot that that was part, part of, of the story. Yeah, yeah. It what didn't about seem like that? that no, would, never felt like that was the answer that I needed. Like, yeah, I never needed an answer to that question. I was more curious about how he ended up in prison. I think that was my main interest. Sure, and, and that's the most interesting thing. In the, I mean, yeah. anything that happens with him in his past story 
you know, be it his the reason for his imprisonment, his caretaking of this infant boy who's actually a, a female actress, and I can't wait to talk about her at length. But all of that is so fascinating. And one of the reasons I was so drawn to this is that I'm a real big fan of the stories of like hard scrabble existence where you just passed from one way station to way station trying to cling desperately onto whatever you need to survive. In a weird way, as I was doing my notes for this today, I thought of Children of Men. And it, it, the, the, the story itself obviously has nothing to do with it. But Children of Men is one of those things where like a motley group of people kind of make their way around through life, trying to kind of cling to survival and just kind of get passed along through their narrative. And I kind of thought that this was a, had a similar thing going for it, and it really, really engaged me. Mm. It's funny. I, I, the, the big draw card for me was obviously um, the boy playing Zane. He, like, when they did, obviously they did it deliberately at the start of the film when you know that he's in prison and, and you, you, you kind of know a little bit about his past. You just think, this, like, and it's deliberately done, that this kid is too young to be dealing mm. with this kind of stuff because he looks so young. But then this actor could just handled it so well like i believed him and i believed that he belonged in this world which was so well cast for me his name is also zane zane al rafia just so we give credit where credit's due and we derek and my screening had a little thing at the end of the film where it talked about him actually being a refugee when they were making the film at the time and that he um you saw him get a standing ovation at um, i guess he still is once a refugee always a refugee essentially right Unless you go back to your home country, I guess so. Yeah, he's he's now, <laughs> not but he's not in right? Lebanon anymore. He's yeah. now in Norway, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is presumably nicer. <laughs> yeah, but it was so beautiful seeing him get that standing ovation at um, at Cannes. Yeah. That was yeah. just really like, and it, you could see how much it meant to him. And he, uh, it must be such an interesting feeling for him to have that life and then t- to be. At the other end of that spectrum. Well, speaking of Khan, this lost out uh, uh, for the Palm d'Or to shoplifters, which was also about poverty, mm. but a very different sort of form. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't even a very d- different outlook on poverty. I didn't even consider yeah. the uh, similarities between the two. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you you have you've been cagey, John, and you haven't uh, tipped your hand yet here. Listen, I liked it, but I, uh, with caveats. Like I, okay. I, I I was um, I guess I, I saw it after watching you reading your review, yeah of course and perhaps I was expecting more but I felt um, I couldn't help but wonder whether there was an element of uh, poverty porn and it, to me it all uh, smacked a little bit of exploitation and I, I mm-hmm. felt like a lot of some of the movie especially the, a lot of the movie involving the baby I found engaging but I found a little bit naff considering how it fit in with in relation to everything else in the film, mm. which is quite a realistic sort of... Um, I mean, I know nothing about poverty in Lebanon, but it felt like a quite a, a grounded, uh, realistic outlook on poverty in, re- in Lebanon. And I found this... Uh, the use of the baby as uh, a, a cheap way of enga- uh, engaging its audience and sort of... Uh, it, it didn't... F- it didn't fit in with in, in the context to everything else, and I, it, it really took me out of. Uh, I feel what the film was trying to say. It was like, you know, in one hand, it wanted you to uh, uh, really engage with the plight of these uh, these characters, and the other one, it's like, hey, look how cute this baby is, and it just kept on doing it. There were so many instances like that. I felt like all the baby was being used for was um, to be cute. Except that baby is such a good actress. 
Oh, hey, I don't deny how I, incredible I was, baby is. That was the thing I, yeah. I could not believe. Like, that baby is really, like, 18 months old. Yeah. Like, I, oh, two years old at most. And that and how, I don't know how she was taking direction from the director, yeah. but she, like, hit the right notes in every single scene. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> like, I that, that that's incredible. That's, like, you know, certainly an astonishing feat, but I don't think it makes the film better. What What... What's interesting to me about it is it's the right age gap to allow Zane to actually seem like a parent. Like, he's 12 and this baby's two. Um, And his sister, who I haven't mentioned yet, is impregnated at age 11 by this shop owner that she's prostituted out to as a wife Mm. in order to get relief on the rent for the family, which is just... One of the crimes of which Zane uh, accuses his parents, yeah. um, but it's interesting because he's not that much younger. Wait, no, he, I'm sorry, he's older, but only by one year yeah. than his sister actually would be as a parent. And it's 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 it, it interests me because he is enough older than this child to not treat it like a little brother, uh, but like a, a child. And like he has that scene where he's trying to decide whether to leave Jonas on the footpath there, you know, to be picked up by whoever and just walk away. Um, and he's he, he, and he's so mature in that scene. He's got the looks on his face of an adult struggling with their own conscience, which is not something a 12-year-old mm-hmm. normally has to do. And the way that he's thrust into this parental role and he's dragging Jonas around in a bathtub or a sink or whatever it is on a skateboard with pots hanging off the back of it, just trying to, like, make a little bit of money and give this child like one more day of you know of baby formula that he eats dry <laughs> you know or or whatever it is whatever his basic ideas of parenting are and the funny thing is he has a home to go home to but he's so angry at his parents and he's so frustrated with the way the, the, the terrible job they've done is that he he vows to do better by this child that's his charge and he's with them for weeks did it you, seems did like you, did you find it um sort of curious that the film argues pretty strongly against bringing children into the world mm. under circumstances of hardship mm. and yet the entire film revolves around you know sort of the um the resilience or the dramatic power really resolves or revolves around the resilience of this child and the sort of appeal of the baby yeah well i don't know was the movie's intention to say that you sh- like if you're going through hardship you shouldn't have a child or was it just saying that his parents were just doing a shit job, like selling their children for money, you know, for rent and chickens. And well, I think both. Else. Yeah, but I, I also, I, think both. I also don't think you're meant to come away with the notion that his parents are awful people. Well, that's it, because they st- when they stand up for themselves in court, they, they're quite moving moments. But, but I don't even think it's necessarily that. I think it's a lifetime of these ho- horrible conditions that they've lived in you know, in and out of poverty that obviously others would rise above, but they haven't. But that's and what they say yeah. in it. Like the, the dad makes that statement yeah. in court. He's like, oh, all of my, all my life I've lived in poverty. I've never known yeah. anything else. And it's like, you know, if I, I always come back to this concept of like, we are given so many um, benefits in life that we don't even are aware of. The fact that I was read to as a child meant that, you know, I knew how to read, you know. I you know how to read? Yeah, coincidence, <laughs> crazy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, when did this happen? All like, you know, I knew what to wear to a job interview because people around me went to a job interview. Yep. If people had never lived in those circumstances, then 
I think it's interesting that you look down at these, well, not that we're saying that we look down at these people, but you can look down at these people and be like, how can they not know any better? And I think this film presents quite well. How are they ever meant to know better if they're never put in a position where they've given that chance yeah. in life? And I think the other thing we need to talk about a, a bit is that relationship that, that Zane had with his sister. That was really quite touching and beautiful. Mm. And that was the heart of the film that really got me heavily involved in it from the start is just him trying to look after her in oh, like and a really older brother kind of situation. And you see this the shop owner who's like, you know, taking a shine to her and you think it's kind of like avuncular at first. Like, oh, he thinks she's just a sweet little girl. And you're like, no, it's sexual. Mm -hmm. Like he's interested in, in having this 11-year-old as his wife. And much later in the film, we find out what actually happened to her. Mm. And it's shocking and horrifying, but it has the ring of truth as well. I think you feel like, you know, in this environment, this is a thing that, you know, he wouldn't be arrested for necessarily. I mean, he's in court and the judge is basically asking him, did you feel like this was a right thing to have sex with an 11 year old, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, it, but it wasn't like you're under arrest, we're gonna send you to jail. It's like, this is a society where men can pluck women from the vine as young as they want to, basically, um, and society doesn't turn a blind eye to, or turns a blind eye to it. You know, it's um, it's just it's some of that stuff. It, it, did you feel like any of that was exaggerated, or did you feel like that was all kind of believable, John? I don't know about that stuff. Felt exaggerated. I felt a lot of the film felt felt forced, mm. um, and. I mean, like you said, I think the court case was for, uh, felt very forced. I'd, I'd be curious to know exactly how much it reflects. I mean, I've just got no insight into, you know, po poverty in, mm -hmm. in Lebanon whatsoever. Yeah. And I'd be interested to know how much it reflects reality. Um, but I feel like as a piece of narrative cinema, it was less... Uh, what's the word? It was less successful than it was as perhaps an insight into that world. Mm -hmm. And I think there was... Uh, I feel like it was it was structurally weak. I felt like the baby stuff was really um, really forced. I felt what the, about the, the baby's the mother? She, she was great, wasn't she? Yeah, Rahila? she was awesome. Yeah, um, uh, and she's a non-professional actress as yes, well. Yes, an Ethiopian yeah. refugee herself. Yeah. And um, I feel like the the lawsuit was forced. I feel like the ending was really um, seemed inappropriately hopeful, considering everything mm. that had come before it. Mm. And so, I mean, ultimately. It, to me, it yeah, worked more as, a, as an insight in, into, the, into that sort of uh, uh, part of the world than perhaps it did as a film, as a piece of, or a piece of narrative. Yeah. Did you guys see the irony in, as well in that in his journey, he ended up doing exactly what his parents did? He, try, he, he, he fought so hard to avoid it, though. And, and he get, but he ended up being, he did exactly what they did. They gave away their daughter to, to make sure that they could survive, and in the end, he had to give away this child to make sure that... Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I yeah. think I do think that there that is intentional, and I think I it's a it's a it's a tragic outcome, in a in a sense. But I also think this is a twelve year old boy, who should not be making parental decisions, and you see, and I don't but I don't what, know. But what makes his parents any more educated than he is? Well, they they're, they're they forty. Don't, yeah, mean, but they didn't grow know. up with formal education. They don't un, they don't yeah. have that at their disposal. No, and I and I think, but I think 
the, you see him struggling to avoid what his what his parents have done, and that's probably what they did too. Yeah. They probably struggled to avoid their parents' mistakes, and maybe we all struggle to avoid our parents' mistakes, and maybe we all make the same mistakes. But what I think is really uh, telling about it, there, that section of the film when he's alone with Jonas is quite long. It's 35 or 40 minutes, I feel like, and you don't really know exactly how much screen time, uh, how much time is passing in the real world. And you feel like he's been at this for a month. You know, for who, who knows how long. Like he can't. Well, that he was can't part do of it, it too, anymore. And he gets locked out of his house, and he's. But I think that was part of it too. That they had to overturn every stone, every possibility. Yeah. So they had they. Yeah. I one. mean, but I but I think you're absolutely right. It ends in the same tragic outcome, essentially. Fortunately, that doesn't. Jonas is reunited with his mother at the end. Spoiler alert. We've, yeah. Anyway, um, but he's, but, and I think yeah, I think you're right that there are some elements of a happy ending that they try to put on it. And I think um, I think part of m- maybe those things, those limitations, are kind of what speak to um, you know the the filmmaker it's herself has never made like a, a a film that I think has been universally praised as like a great. Her name is Nadine Labaki. We should mention that. Because um, I think this is quite in a, the intro. Yeah. Oh, you did. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we can come back to her, <laughs> partially because she's a female filmmaker, and we don't get enough of those. But I think she's made what is a quite powerful document here. But it does represent some limitations of concessions to you know standard filmmaking, and like like I said with the uh, with the you know high concept suing your parents angle, which isn't really that necessary. But she just gets so much street level grunge. And amazing performances out of actors who never should have been able to do that. And that's what you're talking about with a traditional function of a director, where they direct the actors. Not their vision, not where they set up the camera, but how they get performances out of an actor. And I think that's an incredible accomplishment by this director. And and now the other thing as well I think is really important is that they... I love when films don't... um, pander to the audience and, and, and kind of spoon feed them all the information that they need to understand the situation. Like even the first scene where they're, they're were crushing up those pills and putting it in water and then soaking clothes in it. That's I right. was just like, what is happening here? And then when, you know, you realize that this is how they smuggle drugs I still don't really into understand jail. That. How does that work? <laughs> so as, as I can understand it, so you put it, obviously all the powders in the clothes and send the, then they give the clothes to their son who's in prison and he how does somehow he reconstitute ring, the drugs well i think he sells it in either powder form or, or okay. liquid going rinses it from the shirt into <laughs> <Yeah>. his mouth <laughs> but yeah it's it's like and i think that's what is interesting about these characters as well even though they were, they were incredibly poor they were smart they were well, smart individuals i love a movie with sub economies um where there's like an environment that people live in um, that has its mainstream economies, and then it has what people actually do to survive and actually do to make money. And it, I'm always fascinated by seeing the in, inner workings of those things, and I think that's one example of it in this film. Mm. Yeah. It's really good. And, and, like, the school bus as well, that's the other memory that always strikes out when the school bus would drive by and, and Zane would just look at it wishfully, you know? Yeah. Right. He doesn't go to school. He can't which, go to school. Which city was this? Was this Beirut that it was yeah. in? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So... Um, Tell us about Nadine Labaki. I haven't Derek. seen another of her films. Oh, Derek, she, she, this is this is your. Uh, that's why I had to say your arena. That's why I had to say she's not known as a particularly um, yeah. important f- world filmmaker. I don't think, but she made a film that I think it was called "Where Are We Going," 
about if I'm cor- if I'm correct, salon f- female salon owners in Lebanon yeah. who are trying to help or bonding together to try to help the war effort uh, that their husbands are involved in, and it sounds like a really good film. And I remember it coming out a couple years ago, but I didn't see it. And this is up but for this is up for best foreign film at the Oscars. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Roma's, Roma's got that in a shoe in, I think, probably. Oh, yeah. uh, Shoplifters Lifters is nominated yes. as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, some good some good foreign films this year in the in the Oscars. Yeah. Uh, the the most meaningless Oscars to date, probably. Oh, you heard about no host. Ed- uh, yeah. <laughs> They've reversed their decision yes. on the uh, editing and... Uh, they had to. Yes. It like was editing and uh, cinematography. Cinematography and Crazy. makeup and yeah. one of the shorts. Interesting choices as well. Like, oh. And oh. as, as um, I think, uh, Alfonso Cuaron and a couple of others, uh, directors came out and said... Uh, editing and cinematography is essentially all like yeah, it, yeah. you can That's make what films a film without is. anything else. Yeah. Well, yeah. and they said what, what I thought was interesting. They said that it's the it's the only there there are two of the main parts of movie making that are not inherited from a theatrical tradition, because yeah, true, the yeah. camera you know is doesn't just go straight on like an audience member's yeah. vision would be. And the editing, of course, you don't have any equivalent of editing in, in a stage production. So. Those are the two things that make cinema, and you, you know your Kuleshov effect and uh, and uh, cinematography. You know so. Anyway, yeah, I'm glad that the Oscars will be completed in full form. I don't know what it's going to be like without a host. They said they did it like 30 years ago, which would have been in my lifetime and I would have watched it, but I don't remember that. <laughs> it's a few years ago now, like 1988? Or is that Bad yeah. Maths? That's not, that's not right, isn't it? 1999. Yeah, yeah. I, was watching, I was watching the Oscars j- only just by then. Yeah. yeah. But I, th- yeah, I, I, I just figured Billy Crystal did it every year back then. But maybe <laughs> <laughs> he did it for years, didn't he? Yeah, he yeah. was. He he hosted. He's hosted like eight or nine times, I think. He was great. He used to sing the "Welcome to Oscar, Oscar, Oscar." He sang the same song every year and plugged the different movies into it. Huh? Yeah, it was great. You should watch it on YouTube sometime. <laughs> I might watch it on YouTube tonight. Tonight. I just the Oscars are just incredibly out of touch. I feel like. Uh, uh, Maybe it's just me getting older and they've always been this out of touch and meaningless, but I remember when I was young feeling that they were, they were so significant and now I just couldn't give a toss. Well, the <laughs> thing like, was back in the day, it was like a lot of the a lot of the popular films were nominated all the time. And, and like, yeah. I, it's it's and somehow the, divided well, the, now into the a new thing. The fact that Oscar bait and the Oscar campaign are, yeah. are like recognised things completely mm. renders these awards uh, any uh, any artistic merit void. Yeah. Well, I think what happened was around the time that Miramax started getting so many nominees, Miramax as successful as it was, most of the films didn't make that much money. They were just critically acclaimed. And so you'd get years when you had five best picture nominees that made under 20 million dollars in the US, yeah. you know, and and people would be like, "What about it? This is out of touch." Well, now they're coming now I think they're going the other way and they're kind of alienating the core Oscar audience by making all these changes, hoping to court an audience of people who don't traditionally watch the Oscars, who still don't want to watch the Oscars. Yeah. So they're they're ruining it for the people who do like it, and they're not attracting the people who don't like it. And so they're basically, I will say though that I do I do like the fact that even after announcing these various changes, like the best popular film that they did last year. And then reversing it, and then we're well, going to show four during the commercials, yeah. and then reversing it. At least they're at least they're listening. That when someone says no, that idea sucks. Yeah, they'll rescind it rather than someone like Donald Trump who will never back down from a bad idea. Well, it yeah. just feels, <laughs> it feels like a fraternity, I think, as well, because the whole concept is that once you're a winner, once you're involved in it, then you uh, have some stay, um, some say. You know, you have a voice. Once you become an Oscar winner, you have a voice in how the Academy's going to run. It just feels like a fraternity. And it, it's, a, I don't know, it just doesn't feel good. <laughs> and you look at some of the Oscar winners, like 
over time. Like it's just it's uh, so much of it is politics, and you'd rather rather be Martin Scorsese before he won an Oscar for The Departed than the dude who won an Oscar for The King's Speech. You know, like surely mm. the, the real I think award is making movies for a living. In saying yeah. that, though, yeah. every year I try and watch all the nominated films, and I have over the years uncovered like gems, but not gems of like best you know, best film or whatever, but like, you know, I remember years ago In Bruges was nominated for Best Original Screenplay and that's, you know, one of my favourite films yeah, really good film. of all time. And so it's just like in watching the nominations every now and then you do come across yeah. Diamonds in the Rough. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of Diamonds in the Rough, it's time for Top 3. Top 3. Top 3. Um, now I'll go uh, first because I'm whoa, the one who whoa, always whoa, has to whoa, explain whoa, it. whoa, whoa. <laughs> You're keen on going first this episode, Derek. What about, you know, what's your name again? Blakey? Yeah. <laughs> I've got somewhere to be, guys. All right. You can go first, Derek. Go no, for no, it. No, you, you go first. No, you go. You explain it. No. All right. No, I'll no, explain no, it. No, no, no. Um, it's not that there's no explanation necessary. I, I suggested um, top three films set in among poverty. And I said, I think I might have said extreme poverty, but regular poverty was probably good enough. And, and there was a challenging, I think it was a fairly challenging uh, choice, but I mine I came up. They're with all mine. challenging. They're all Derek. That's <laughs> <laughs> because you can't read. Yeah, and they're all last minute Google searches for me, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to drop the segment altogether? <laughs> no, no, no. Good, good segment. Um, uh, okay, so solid segment. Yeah, so 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 films where the characters' actions were dictated by how goddamn poor they were. Yep. And so my number three is Wages of Fear, nineteen fifty three, Henri Georges Clouseau. Um, it was kind of an outside the box choice as I was going through them, but these are this is about a bunch of men I believe living in South America who are all kind of in this town of, of waybirds and castabouts, and they get an offer because they don't have any money. They get an offer to drive a truck full of explosives hun- hundreds of miles across South America to some military front without detonating them, even though they're highly flammable. And all the trouble that they get into for that, and it's and it isn't traditionally set in and among poverty the way I imagined it, but I thought it was interesting to have their choices so motivated by the absolute need for money, money or de- or death, basically yep. is what it came down to. My number two is Deborah Granick's Winter's Bone from 2010. Oh, almost made my top three. Almost made your top three. Yeah, um, the movie that introduced us to Jennifer Lawrence. And she's a, a daughter in the Ozarks who's looking after her younger sibling and trying to find her dad so that they can try to scare up enough money to not have their house foreclosed on. And the mystery is what happened to the dad and who's seen him last and where did he end up? And they're just dirt poor. And it's really, really emotional and dramatic. And, and the actor who plays her uncle, John I, is, Hawks, is one of the best yeah. actors going around, and he's not in enough stuff. And his entrance in that movie is oh. really good. Oh, yeah. he's, a men- he's a menace yeah. in that film. Yeah. yeah, my number one is a classic, which may have made your lists: uh, Victoria De Sica's Bicycle Thief, nineteen forty-eight. Um, the what the man has to do to make a living, and to to try to keep his son's respect, but he needs that bicycle, and if he doesn't find it. His morals go with it. So, um, really, really great film. It doesn't need any more uh, explanation than that. But I do want to ask you guys where you stand on the controversy: bicycle thief or bicycle thieves? I stand on a uh, position of indifference. Indifference. I've never seen the film. Never so seen the film. Whoa, 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 whoa. You've never seen bicycle thieves. I know, I know. It's on the list. Oh, so you do say thieves though. 
For the first 40 years <laughs> well, of its existence. Well, the next time I say it, I'll say thief. For the first 40 to 50 years of its existence, they just called it Bicycle Thief. And then somebody said, well, actually, the real translation of the original title is Bicycle Thieves. So we should call it that. And I think you, you should do that accent for <laughs> the rest of the, all the episodes. You can tell where I stand on the subject. So Bicycle Thief. Anyway. <laughs> Blakey, that's uh, I think that's uh, one to bump up to uh, a up a there. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, oh well, I won't say anything because it might be in my top three as well. Yes. Oh, after you, Blakey. Um, alrighty, my top three. My third one is uh, the grapes of wrath. Ah, uh, yeah. Here's the grapes, and yeah. here's the wrath. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that for the Simpsons or something? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Most of my quotes are yeah. always from the Simpsons. <laughs> Um, incredibly beautiful film. Um, it's about uh, oh god, I was going to say the Depression. John the Ford, depression. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Henry so and Henry Fonda. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what it's not, wasn't the Depression. What was the time that they were going through in America? Dust Bowl, something. No. It was a bad one. One it of the bad. Yeah, ones. it was a shocking yeah, one. One of the bad ones. Anyway, they travel. They pack up their whole lives. They travel in the back of a car. Uh, back of a car. But they have chuck everything with their horse and carriage, and it's just an incredible sad film. And yet they hold on for hope and. One of my favourites, but not as much as the Grave of the Fireflies, which is oh, my number two. Good inspired one. choice, very good. Yeah. One. I love that film. That's God, so that's good. depressing. And it's one of the sad, <laughs> one of the most sad, the saddest, but most beautiful films I think yeah. I've ever seen. When, Absolutely. And when, yeah, that, I'm jealous of that choice. The, uh, <laughs> the scene of them going, you know, playing with the fireflies, you know, just magnifique. And number <laughs> one is Mad Max Fury Road. Oh. Oh. Outside really the box. Outside the box with this one. See, this was a good one, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 This That's is a good choices. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're pretty good usually. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy them. Uh, yeah, everyone knows. I think we did a podcast on Mad Max. So everyone knows how much I love it. If not, go through the archives. Um, that's real good with two E's. Um, and I'll see you all next week. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so John doesn't get to go. Hey, wait, that was your number one, so it's my turn now? Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, my number three, it may not actually be my third favourite movie. It feels weird saying favourite movie about poverty. It's all right, top three. But top three movie yeah. about poverty. Uh, I, I just put it in because it's uh, I've seen it recently and I've already mentioned it tonight. Shoplifters. Yeah, really good choice. Yeah. Uh, my number two is Pather Panchali, the first movie from the Apu trilogy. Um, oh, yeah. Satyad Ray. I it, saw that. You, in fact, perhaps if you would group the trilogy as a whole, then it would be all three of them. I wish I liked that more, but you're, that's a, a perfect pick for this list. Those, yeah. They're dirt poor. I um, yeah. They are dirt poor, and yeah. I um, loved every f- uh, film in that trilogy, especially mm. the first one, which mm. is Pather Panchali. And mm. my number one is Bicycle Thieves, which is in my top ten movies of all time. Yeah. Um, it is. The look on that kid's face at the end. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, very powerful film. Yep. I mean, have we got anything else to say about now? I'm sorry to have led you down the primrose path and then and then steered you into a ditch, John. I think it's worth my expectations. Yes. Well, you know, that's all right. I still look. I still... Uh, I thought it was a good movie. I just didn't think yeah. it was great. But yeah. like you're, you're. Uh, I thought you liked it more than than you. No, I did. You've been saying no, tonight. No, I, I definitely liked okay, it good. a lot more. I've just, I think I'm conscious of my voice, and so I've been trying to talk yes less because I don't sound as great. And you know, I like the huskiness though. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I wish everyone did. Yeah. Um, I like the huskiness, so everyone does. Well, except I've, for you. Well, I feel you know, Marcus said that he was keen to tune in again, so I think he'll be disappointed. He was saying he was sad that he hadn't heard our voices in a while, so. 
Big shout out to you, sorry, and mate. I am sorry, my voice just isn't it. It's angelic best. I try. When's Zoe coming back? Hopefully soon, because then we can finally kick you off. Ah, <laughs> I can't wait. Freedom. Uh, that's all we have time for? Yes. <laughs> the question mark at the end? I mean, like, we have all the time in the world, but that's all we're going to do. Uh, <laughs> this has been the Real Good Podcast. Thank you, Blakey. Thank you, Rono. Thank you, Derek. Yeah. Uh, if For more stuff, and for more information on the Real Good Film Festival, which is happening in just under the two weeks. Holy shit. At the Lido Cinemas right in up. Hawthorne, go to realgood.com.au. That's real with two E's, or rgff.com.au Thank you. Mm-hmm.